what does a really great day look like for you? Like if, if you were able to hand select today what you wanted your day to look like and there was no rules and there was no other things like going on, like what would that look like for you? And most of the time it's like such a foreign concept to think about like what do I really want or what do I really need to feel fulfilled that I think that's sometimes the missing piece a little bit along the way when you don't know what that is for yourself it's hard to know what will help you feel your best and what you need to do to strive to enjoy the journey as well as have your days and your weeks and your months and your years look the way you really would like them to look rather than every day being like, oh, someday I'll be able to do this or someday my business will look the way I want it to be, you know, and just kind of figuring out what your version of success is. Welcome to She Empowers the Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Kayla Lucas. I'm a mom of two, a family-focused chiropractor, a trailblazing entrepreneur, and a holistic mindset queen. I am on a mission to empower women to lead themselves and their families to greater health and wellness in their personal lives and businesses. Each week, I'm sharing inspiring content that will give you the tools to navigate your own wellness journey, grow your businesses, expand your mind, and take care of the ones you love. This is your space to feel supported, inspired, and empowered. Let's get into it. Hello, beautiful. Welcome back to another episode of She Empowers the Podcast. I'm so excited to bring you today's guest. I have Kimberly Joy Evans with us. She is a fellow podcaster. She is the host of the Joy Curator Podcast and the owner of Joy PR Studio, which offers PR and event planning services to help business owners share their story, get seen, reach their goals, manage their time, and run a business that truly matches their life's purpose. She has over 20 years of experience in events, marketing, consulting, and public relations, and her mission is to help business owners to create authentic and powerful connections in their life and their business. She's also a fellow mama. She has two daughters, and she's a national advocate for Cystic Fibrosis Canada, and she wants philanthropy and giving back to be at the center of her life's work. So, As you can kind of hear, she's quite accomplished in her life. I had the privilege to get introduced and to get to know Kim through a Shine Summit that she curated along with many fellow other entrepreneurs in our Saskatoon area. And I'm so excited to bring her to the podcast today. We are gonna be talking a lot about finding joy in life and in business. And since the new year is upon us, I think it's a really good time to bring in some fresh ideas and perspective from another wonderful woman who's just doing it in her own way. So welcome Kimberly to the podcast. Thank you, such kind words, so great to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited that we get to have this conversation. I'm thrilled that you said yes to being on the show and just getting to interview someone who's also a fellow Saskatchewanian and who's also a mama and building a business just gets to be such a beautiful joy on my own heart. But for our guests and our audience who might not know you, I would love for you to just kind of share who you are and what you're doing in your life as a mompreneur and just give us a little bit of insight on Kim. Sure. Yeah. So I have been 
a business owner for 20 years, hard to believe. I remember at the beginning stages of business, seeing people who had been in business for 20 years plus thinking, oh, wow, like that feels like such a long time to like own a business. How will we ever get there? But here we are. And yeah, I started an event planning 20 years ago. And that's just kind of been infiltrated throughout my business for the last 20 years. The pandemic definitely was a tricky time to be an event planner. So really shifted some of the um, service offerings and had to put different entrepreneur hats on to get creative during that time. But yeah, I, I love being able to help business owners share their story and help them just find that spark in their business again. Sometimes I think when we've been in business for a little while, whether we've been in business for a short time or a long time, I think it's always just nice to be able to have other perspectives and just press reset in them. And that's what I feel I get to be when I jump into people's businesses, whether I'm planning events for them, whether I'm helping them with their marketing or with their PR and just help them see what everybody else sees because we can get in our own heads sometimes. Totally. I think that getting in your heads is a big thing. And I think that that Shine Summit that I attended last year that you had kind of put on was the first act of kind of getting in the room with a lot of like-minded women and just sharing our backgrounds, but also just like some of the challenges that we all face. And I think that we can feel really alone as entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. but when you start to step out into embracing, you know, what other women are doing and talking about and sharing and what their desires are, it becomes a really palpable energy that you just then feel almost like seen like, okay, I'm not alone in this. So it's a big thing for um, entrepreneurs. I know that. And you said such a beautiful thing earlier about like, how are we ever going to get to 20 years in business? I feel (laughs) like it actually just flies by. But have you noted like with your past experience and and how you've been curating your businesses and building businesses and helping women and raising your own family, like how do you put joy and find joy and fulfillment in both like your personal and your professional life? Are there any practices or approaches that you consistently find bring you joy? Yeah, that's a great question. I get asked that question a lot because I think I mean, naturally, I think some people's disposition in life is, I mean, we're all different people, but I think I, I am naturally a positive person. And I think sometimes there's a little bit of a misconception between being like, you know, just being like happy and joyful, but also that like very fine line between toxic positivity, where you sort of feel like, oh, you're just pretending everything's okay when it's not. And I think sometimes social media plays a little bit in that where none of us totally always necessarily can know the full story about what's going on behind the scenes for people. But for me, I have always been a positive person. I've always been a glass half full. That's just like how I'm wired. However, as life goes on and as other stresses can come into life. Running a business is stressful. Raising kids is a lot. Like there's just a lot of reasons why life could not feel joyful at times. And Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to get kind of stuck in the grind of life sometimes and forget about, you know, just ways to bring joy. And for me, my life and my business are so intertwined. I don't look at them as kind of like two separate things about me. I am like, I always see it like a circle where my life and me is just a circle. My business flows into it. My life flows into it. My children flow into it. My friends flow into it. You know, like it's just kind of like one one thing. And I always want when I meet somebody, whether it be for business reasons or for personal reasons, that they're meeting the same person. 
Like Mm -hmm. I just am who I am. You will see that in my business. You will see that in my life. There's like no differentiating um, between those two things. And that's what I want to help other women feel in their businesses as well. So that you really feel like you're just really bringing yourself to the table on it. And I think being able to take a look back from a joy perspective, I think joy is a lifestyle. I don't think joy is an emotion that you just like feel. I think we can be happy and feel joy. We can feel sad and feel joy. We can be frustrated and angry and still experience joy because we're choosing to have that be the lens as to which we're showing up in our lives. And when I had a really difficult situation come up in my own life 11 years ago, when my daughter was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, that for me was a huge turning point in having a time that felt so dark, needing to make conscious choices of how to find that joy. And it's just something that has just been a part of more a part of my life ever since then, than it even was before, just because I didn't want to have the negative pieces of my life, the really hard things be the thing that my whole life then became the lens through. I wanted to be able to figure out what the purpose was for all of these things happening and how to find joy anyways. That's such a beautiful story. And like just so much courage behind you stepping into that identity of like, well, this is a very hard time, but I'm consciously choosing that. I also love how you describe joy as a lifestyle and seeing that circular component of who we are as women, because you're so right. You you can't, you can't separate the kids and the business and the personal effects and, and try to be all these different identities. Cause it just, number one, it's, it's burnout, like yeah. on the way to burnout for sure. And then the other part of it is we can't live that way sustainably like if we're not okay with who we are today and what we're aspiring to do tomorrow then how are we ever going to actually find that joy and that success in our business yeah a hundred percent and i think too like often what i find when i'm meeting with clients specifically to do business consulting which is one of the areas that i practice quite a bit in my business is their their personal life always plays into it. We are never just talking about the business. Most of the time, if there are things going down in our personal life, that is part of what of our struggle in our businesses versus, you know, things just being hard in business. And so it's like kind of just recognizing and giving ourselves grace for the fact that we are most of us wearing a lot of hats, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and just trying to figure out What do the question that I often ask first when I'm meeting with somebody for the first time, and most of the time they are not able to answer it right off the cuff because there's just too many other things going on. But I ask them, I'm like, what does a really great day look like for you? Like if, if you were able to hand select today, what you wanted your day to look like, and there was no rules and there was no other things like going on, like, what would that look like for you? And most of the time it's like, such a foreign concept to think about like, what do I really want or what do I really need to feel fulfilled that I think that's sometimes the missing piece a little bit along the way when you don't know what that is for yourself. It's hard to know what will help you feel your best and what you need to do to strive to enjoy the journey as well as have your days and your weeks and your months and your years look the way you really would like them to look rather than every day being like, oh, someday I'll be able to, 
do this or mm-hmm. someday my business will look the way I want it to be, you know, and just kind of figuring out what your version of success is, which means so many different things to every person. And so, yeah, I usually, I usually start there with people because that opens the door to sort of just like, Oh, pouring out a lot of stuff about sort of like what is working and what isn't working in our life. And the new year is a really great time to kind of audit that a little Mm -hmm. bit and just really decide what do you want your life to look like? Totally. And such good questions to kind of have almost either as journal prompts or to internally answer for yourself. What is your ideal day look like? How do you define success for yourself? And just going into finding the things that actually are meaningful to you. Like you said, if you, if you can't identify them, how can you come back to them? It's, it's virtually impossible. And I think that when you are wearing all of those hats and I've had this happen for myself is like, it's like, what are we even doing this for? Uh-huh. Lose track of like what you're doing and what you're even trying to achieve or accomplish or bring forth. And it's always this this balancing act. But I, I don't love the word balance because I don't feel like it can coexist so well with motherhood and entrepreneur life. But, you know, how have you managed to address the unique challenges of running a business while being a dedicated mother and having a daughter who is diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, you know, can you share some strategies for achieving the work-life integration? Yeah, I agree. I do not love the word balance Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like it constantly means we're on like a teeter-totter and that doesn't feel good to me. But (laughs) the word that I feel like I've kind of tried to replace in my own vocabulary when I'm thinking about the concept of balance is just being aligned. And I know that word is like super overused too, but I just, I think when we are aligned, the flow of our life happens more naturally. And that balance that we are looking for will happen when we are aligned. If we are putting our time and our energy and effort into places that doesn't serve us or places that really aren't like leading towards like the values and and intentions and things that we're saying we want our life to look like. I've used the example often where I think most of us as moms would be like, oh, like my children and my family are like top, like value important, but then you spend 80 hours a week working and that doesn't really align with that. And so there is no right or wrong way to be. I think that there's often, especially us as women, like we're, we're striving to do all the things. And I I think that sometimes when we maybe are in our heads, we think that there is one right way to Mm -hmm. run a, run a life, run a business, like all of those types of things. And I don't believe that there is, I think there is, there is a right way for you and there's a right way for me. And there's a right way for the next person. But I think that's what sort of for me, the goal has been is to sort of figure out what that best right way feels like for me now. And maybe in six months, that will feel different. And in six months from there, that might feel different. But it's kind of just getting to that place of what stage of life am I in when my my kids are teenagers now. So I'm in a very different stage of life than when I first started my business and I had my babies and jolly jumpers standing in my office, you know, like that's not where I'm at anymore. I have a lot more freedom in my schedule. But each stage brings its own kind of things. And so I think just accepting where you're at and recognizing that if you are in a really young stage of having kids, 
giving yourself a million times more grace of just the fact, like, how does that integrate in your life? How do you want to show up for them and not, you know, miss out on the things that you don't want to miss out on while also potentially growing a business? And I think just sort of having your community and your village and like your, your people in place to support the things that you need. And I always say to my clients too, like, I feel like the things that we get support on in our personal lives directly impact our business. Mm -hmm. So having somebody potentially that is coming in to help clean the house or ordering like a pre done meal service or hiring a babysitter or like, you know, all of those things to me directly impact the bottom line of your business because you're making choices on how you're spending your time. And there's no right or wrong way. Everybody has their own way of doing stuff. But I think to get to a place where you understand what is working and what is not working in your current state of life, rather than wishing it away and like, oh, well, once they're older, this will be easier. Oh, once this happens, then it'll be easier. You know, just kind of embracing where you're at and figuring out what support you need in order to make that happen, because none of us are doing this alone. So anybody that's looking on social media and thinking, oh, how do they do all those things? Like, that's a bunch of garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> none of us are doing this alone. <laughs> it's so true. You you can't do it without the help and the support of people who you trust with your children, who you can delegate tasks to. I've had a house cleaner for almost three years now, and she's my favorite person to pay. Like, I'm <laughs> not kidding. Like, I totally. love love her like I'm just like oh please come clean my house every two weeks like and just have that peace of mind and I think that too like you said such a really good point is like accepting where you're at and it might be different six months from now that's truly been one of my hardships is like your kids change so fast the stages go through so quickly that for one moment you think you've got it dialed in and you're on this trajectory of consistency and everything's working out and and then you get hit with either illness or another leap that they go through a different transition in their activities or their school life and it's it can feel like this wild ride but i do think that managing the balancing act right the air quotes balancing act i always use the word harmony but i like your word of alignment because i do feel like it is very much tied to you checking in with what's working today and what might not be working what was working yesterday and what's not working now so i love those aspects because having i think everyone's looking for a secret sauce of like how to do this also I don't feel like we, our generation had this model to us through our mothers, like our grandmothers. So I feel like women today who are building online businesses and online presence, or even a brick and mortar business are truly trailblazing. Have you felt that way through the course of your career? A thousand percent. Mm. And I feel like we're unlearning a lot of things that has been ingrained. At least that's how I feel you know, trying to just figure out what works for me. And it's okay that grandmothers and mothers and people behind us and people today, right now, like everybody gets to have their own own sense of what they want their life to look like. To me, the misalignment comes in when you're frustrated or saying you want things to be a certain way, but not doing anything to get there. So that's the part for me where I just like, the things that I've come through in my life and my business over the last 20 years, I just, I don't feel like I have the patience for that because it's just, 
make the choice, decide what you want your life to look like. And everybody gets a choice. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have a ton of stuff going on and we all get to decide how we wish to spend our time. And I know that life presents like lots of different things for lots of different people. So I don't want anyone listening to think like, oh, it's just so easy. Just go decide whatever you want to do. But to a certain degree, you will just show up better in life if you are aligned and if you are doing the things that you want to do. And it doesn't mean that you have to be in a eight figure job doing like all this stuff that that has nothing to do with it. It really just means figuring out how either in your current situation, you can find joy, even if maybe you're not in what you would consider to be an ideal situation, but figuring out how to make the best of it anyways. Mm -hmm. And for me, like having my girls watch me build a business, <laughs> like that has been so fulfilling for me because at the beginning stages, I was feeling guilty most of the time that I wasn't spending more time. And I've recently in the last few years re-understood what the actual definition of guilt is. And I've tried to integrate that in a lot of conversations because that word probably more than anything is what I hear from women when I'm talking with them about things in their business. I feel guilty that I'm not spending more time with my kids. I feel guilty that I like couldn't take on more over here or more over here, all of this. And guilt means you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. but you have like an inner sense that you've done something and you're like, oh, I really feel guilty about that. It's a legit feeling. And we all have moments of feeling guilt, but running a business and feeling really happy and going to work and doing the thing while your kids are happily being taken care of by somebody else, or they're at home with a partner or they're doing their own thing or whatever the case may be. That's not guilt. Cause you're not doing anything wrong. You know, if you're like feeling aligned with what it is that you're doing. So I think reframing some of those emotions a little bit and understanding like, what about this certain situation is coming up with like these interesting feelings right now? Yeah. Do I wish I wasn't working right now? Do I wish I was at home hanging out with my family tonight? And that's, what's making me feel uncomfortable. Okay. Let's dive into that then rather than sort of feeling this on like a sort of overarching sense of, I don't even know if the word failure, but kind of, I think we sort of like doom ourselves sometimes like we're failing over here and we're failing over here and we like, just can't get it all right. And I think being able to reframe that and just really deciding how and where you wish to spend your time. I feel like that time management piece is always sort of where a lot of this comes back to. So that you really are creating um, a schedule for the stage of life that you're in and letting it be like a fluid schedule, not so rigid that you can't move from it, but a schedule that allows you to feel and, and creates those expectations with the people around you too, including your children, including right. your family of this is what things are looking like. This is what you can expect from me and making sure that it works. Obviously in a family unit, you kind of have to decide some of those things together, but you know, figuring out what works for you. And I think we do that with our clients. We set boundaries. We say like, this is like when we're available, when we're not available. And I think we need to kind of incorporate that into our personal lives a little bit too, so that we can just feel settled on, mm -hmm. on how we're showing up and what we're doing rather than always thinking that we're like dropping a ball somewhere. I couldn't agree more. And I think that as women, we have been maybe some of us preconditioned and pre-programmed to think that the ultimate mother is the one who does stay home and the one who does not 
have other dreams or desires that she's pursuing while motherhood is taking place. And, and we can also see that in some of our soul sisters and women before us of them having the ultimate sacrifice throughout the course of your life. And then you're like, well, my mom didn't actually like do anything for herself. And so that trailblazing component, and then also the component of stepping outside of societal norms that we have been raised in, or myself anyway, I've been raised in that where my mom stayed home. She was with us all the time. She did all the activities. My dad worked away. And so stepping into being that CEO of your life and dictating the schedule for your family and your business life had kind of felt a bit foreign at the beginning and still I will admit like I'm I'm imperfect and I'm human and I have the emotion of guilt come up for sure but I've also had to reprogram guilt in my own mind of of saying to myself like I'm actually very privileged and very I have so much opportunity that I can show my kids what a woman can do so that it's normalized in their psyche so that they can then pursue what they want. And if if staying at home is what they choose and what they truly want, then that's great. But I think that m- the guilt comes from seeing this perpetual um, self-sacrificial woman that I just think mm-hmm. is not actually an ap- adequate or even a, a good representation of the scale of what women are and what the scale of what women want and what they can do. Mm-hmm. So I really love your insight on that, Kim. And I think that so many people are going to resonate with that message because we just need to normalize this aspect of being a mompreneur and being the CEO of our lives. So I really want to ask you, you know, as that entrepreneur and that mother, how do you embody being the CEO of your life and and that example that you give your girls, you know, what does that entail and how has this mindset that you've adopted influenced your journey today? Hmm. Yeah, I think I had a little bit of an aha moment a few years back when I noticed without me prompting, my girls were asking me how my day was. And I was like, huh, like we often are after school. I I work from home. I have for a long time, over a decade worked from home. And so I have my own home office. And so like I am here, but I'm out and about and like doing stuff during the days. But I've tried really hard over the last few years for my schedule to accommodate being home when they get home after school, Mm -hmm. because that time with them is just at the stage that they're at. That's like when I get to see them before they rush off to go do stuff with their friends. And, you know, they tell me all about their day because it's fresh in their mind. And so I remember them saying like, how was your day, mom? Like, what were you up to? Or how did that event go? Or, oh, you were, you were on a podcast today, you know, like things like that, because we talk about what our schedule is. And I sort of, I started just sort of like, looping them in on the things that I was also doing, knowing that obviously I know what they're doing all day. I'm a part of their schedule, but (laughs) you know, having that sort of be reciprocated so that they saw me as a person, not just the mom who was like there at their beck and call, like to do everything. But that really has been a dynamic shift. And in my mind, that's been a huge mental shift for me too, to just like recognize that them seeing me work And the way they speak to me about my day and how like they see me in my business or I overhear them saying stuff to their friends. I'm like, okay, like they have zero thoughts that because I'm running a business, I am somehow neglecting them in some way, shape or form, you know, like that doesn't even hasn't even crossed their minds. And so it's me bringing that (laughs) to the table. If I ever do have those thoughts, it's like my unlearning that has to be done thinking about that. So I think for sure, just sort of recognizing that 
life is full and it is a lot, but I think coming back to that, doing the audit of your time is if I would leave anybody with anything, like that is what I would say to do is to just look back and just looking at your day in blocks of like eight hours of sleep. Like if you want to just make it super simple, eight hours of sleep, eight hours of work, eight hours of personal, you know, just like in a super, super, super small kind of way to look at that, but just figuring out most of the time when I have clients doing this exercise, they think they know where they're spending their time because these are competent, wonderful, incredibly like women who are just doing all the things they have so much on the go and they are handling it and they're going through and doing all of it. But when you actually look, but they can't figure out why they're running out of time all the time. Why is there never enough hours in a day to Mm -hmm. do the things that they want to do? And then you finally start actually dissecting the pieces, seeing where your time is getting sucked, seeing where maybe you're overcompensating in your life because maybe you don't have the support that you need and whatever that looks like for your personal life, or even in your business, you're just doing all of the things rather than figuring out kind of like how to make it more manageable by maybe hiring somebody or by eliminating certain things that maybe is just busy work that you don't need to do, or, you know, like those types of things. And so that to me is sort of when you start stripping it all away. And I always like at the end of the year, I just did this where I look through my calendar for the whole previous year. So all of what 2023 was and where was I spending my time? What was I doing? What were the things that I was getting excited about? What do I want to see more of in my 2024 calendar? What would I like to see less of in my 2024 calendar? You know, just to kind of get an idea as to where you want to spend your time because each day, each minute, each hour, that that is what makes up the makeup of our life. So if we are always saying, I'm going to do that tomorrow or next week or next week, instead of just, I'm going to block out two hours because I want to go have a coffee with a friend today. And that is what is important. Then do the things is sort of like how I want women to be able to start kind of seeing things in their life a little bit more so that there are sparks of joy happening throughout the day rather than getting into this monotony and either living for your one week vacation <laughs> or, right. or crash and burn until you're sick and you're in bed and you just like, can't get up for a week. Yeah, for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. We have to find the joy. We have to intentionally place joy into our life in order for us to continuously perpetuate to the next version of ourselves and mm-hmm. meeting our future selves today. I really want to go back to what you said earlier about everyone having a choice and choosing. And one part of my own journey that has been really good, but also really hard is stepping into the fear. I know I have the choice and many women, we know we have the choice to bring forth something new or step into an identity that we haven't maybe done before or try something different or leave our careers or completely change what we're doing in our businesses. And there's this fear there. And, you know, when venturing into the unknown, I want to ask you, you know, being 20 years in business and, and working with so many entrepreneurs and women, you know, how do you cope with the fear of uncertainty, especially concerning businesses, decisions and personal growth? And, you know, what has been the major catalyst of you navigating those emotions? And also what are the main um, hardships that your clients face with overcoming their fear? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, that is huge. And it can feel very paralyzing when you're in it. And I think one of the things that 
is really helpful, especially when you are a solopreneur and you're making business decisions on your own in your business. And maybe you have a significant other who you bounce stuff off of. Maybe you have a friend, maybe you have, you know, something, but I definitely feel like I spent a lot of years thinking that I had to just figure it all out by myself rather than, you know, looking for that support, whether it's hiring a business coach, whether it's just having another friend, entrepreneur friend in business that you, you know, know that it's somebody who just gets it and you can just talk about the things too that you need. But I think being a part of groups like, like women's networking type groups and like things like that, where you just find the people that you know, are kind of walking through life. So that's what I think what was so powerful about the shine summit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was just being in a room of people where there was no question that all of us could feel and empathize and relate to, even though we all ran very different businesses and had very different lives, we could all just kind of come together and relate. And it just felt like the energy in there just felt so comforting to me because it just felt so safe. And that, you know, it just, nobody was in there thinking that they had it all figured out. All of us were in there just like, okay, we are just taking the next right step. And that is what I tell my clients, take the next right step. I think sometimes we feel like we have to have all 50 pieces in a row before a decision can happen. And you just need to take the next right thing that feels right. And it may not be the best decision, but then you course correct from there. I think it's getting stuck in the not being able to make a decision at all. So whether I know a lot of times women are deciding either to, okay, I like, I don't want my corporate career anymore. I want to open a business. I want to do this. I've been dreaming about this for years. Like, how do I actually start? How do I give up a secure paycheck and decide that I'm just like, you know, feels like they have to throw caution to the wind. And for me, I feel like it just needs to be the next right step. You don't have to quit your corporate career in order to be able to start something that you're passionate about, you know, but you will have to make some choices on how you spend your time because you will be spending more time, um, away from, you know, family or friends or hanging out and doing stuff. If you are planning on using your off time to start up something. So I think it's just making the decision about what that looks like for you and not getting so caught up and having to have it all figured out before you take that first step. I think it's all about just, I mean, I listen to my gut fiercely and the only time that I am making a decision that ends up not being aligned is when I haven't listened to my gut. Mm -hmm. My gut is like always screaming and telling me the right things to do. And I think all of us, if we like pause to actually like feel what that feeling is in our gut of like, huh, you know, even if it feels scary, you're like, this is what feels right. And I'm going to be okay because I listen to this. And if I take the next right step and something is like off, okay, what do I need to do then to like course correct and do this? And that will keep leading you to the most aligned version of yourself rather than continuing to make, I guess, safe choices that aren't really serving you because you know, in your heart of hearts, you maybe want more or you want something different or you like are wanting the change, but you're going to get more caught up in the fear and feel probably more internally, not frustrated, but you know, not yourself by not making those decisions than by just saying, okay, what's the, what's the next right step and how, what do I need to do to get there and just break it down? 
Totally. I was listening to a podcast the other day and I'm probably going to mash how they said it, but they said essentially when you're working on a goal and you think about the goal that you have in mind, the part about it that we can get stuck on is the how. We're always so concerned about how to get there when in fact, if we just thought about it from we're already at the goal and reverse engineer it in a sense of like, well, what would have to be true if I was already at that goal? What would have to be true for me to do? And then actually taking those actionable steps forward, because I think the fear of change or the fear of stepping into a new venture or the unknown is actually not so much about the thing itself. It's holding the responsibility to become that yes. that aspect of it. And, and I don't know if that's true for you, but you, I mean, to have a podcast, to have a PR studio, like to have the programs that you're offering, I would imagine that through the course of your career, you've had moments where it's like, I hope this works. <laughs> I hope that I get client. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there, there's 100%. this. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think, I don't think that a day goes by. I mean, I would imagine, I, I would imagine people that are billionaires running gigantic empires are still having these feelings. Like mm -hmm. that's the piece about it where I just think there is no this has probably been like the biggest life lesson I've ever had to learn. And I remember recognizing that it's just going to be an ongoing life lesson of just, there isn't actually a finish line. Mm -hmm. Like I used to think, okay, well at this point now, then I'll have this part all figured out. Oh good. Then I'll have this part all figured out. And I, for years kind of just like ran with it until all of a sudden I was like, what the heck am I trying to figure out here? Like, what is this fictitious finish line that I'm thinking I'm getting to instead of just having every single step along the way be what is making this journey of life and business what it is like the little moments the things where you have like a great session with a client you're like oh I'm just like so happy that I get to do this for my work versus okay it's not going to be until the end of my career when I've met with 5,000 people that <laughs> I can finally feel like I'm successful. So I think kind of, again, along the lines of like knowing your values and that kind of thing, but knowing what your version of success is. And I think quite often financial, like that is what sort of comes up as like the top thing of like what makes somebody successful. And yes, if you are running a business, you need to be making money. Otherwise it's a hobby. Like that's plain and simple. Yes. Yes. You have to be making money. but what your version of success is kind of comes back to what do you want your day-to-day -to, -day to look like? You know, like if I'm making millions of dollars and I am miserable because I have no freedom, I can't do anything I want when I want. I never see my kids. I'm working 24 seven. I have like so much on the go. Is that successful? To me, I wouldn't think that that is. That mm -hmm. is not what my version of success looks like. Yes, I have financial goals, that I want to be hitting and I'm like aspiring to like grow my business and that kind of stuff. But for me, my freedom is one of my hugest like pieces of success. The fact that I can go away and do what I want to do whenever I want, that has been something I have worked towards for a long time and I'm there. I can do that now. And so that to me feels huge, you know, that I can like work from anywhere. I can go do something. So I think just understanding what you want your life to look like 
and then figuring out what those versions of success are for you. That is sort of how you can kind of start building those like personal and professional goals to be able to get that alignment uh, with what you kind of want your overall life to look like. Absolutely. And I think that going back to what you said earlier, just about figuring everything out, like, I think that's actually like the perfectionism (laughs) trying to come through so hard on us of we need to have it all figured out. And it's got to curate so perfectly. And once I reach here, then I'm going here. And I think that I mean, I love using social media to grow my business. Mm -hmm. But there's this like also this really unhealthy, palpable thing where there's so much emphasis on like January, I made this much in February, I made yes. this much and this going through on these reels of how much money women are making. And I think it's a good thing to make money, like you said, otherwise, it's a hobby. But it's not necessarily the full spectrum of that person's life. Like, do they have children? <laughs> what? Right. Like, what is the realistic, actual aspects of their life that allow them to make that kind of money? Because I guarantee they're not doing that by themselves. And I think that we have to really just let go of this toxic mentality that the more money you make, the more valuable you are, the more worthy you are. It's just like, are you happy? Like going back to this conversation, (laughs) are you finding joy in actually whatever it is you're doing? Well, and I think it's interesting to look at, I love that you said that because it's interesting to look at those things. And I think it's important to recognize when something stirs something up in us. Like Mm -hmm. if you are watching a reel on Instagram and seeing something that somebody else is doing, and you are noticing that it is like making you feel bothered or you are feeling jealous or you're feeling like, oh, that can't possibly be true. Or, you know, whatever you're thinking, whatever negative kind of feelings are coming up when you're looking at something or positive for that matter, just noticing because that very much often sort of helps pinpoint some of the areas that we're maybe not feeling great in, in our own life. And that's when, when somebody isn't sort of regulated or managing their emotions in a certain way, that's when things can escalate because they're, projecting, you know, like their own stuff on whatever somebody else's thing is. And if it is bothering you to see this, then that's something that you kind of have to like, you know, reckon like with reconcile with yourself about, okay, do I wish I was making more money? Do I wish that I like didn't have to work and could stay at home? I don't know. You know, like all of the things Mm -hmm. of just like looking at that. And instead of letting that make you frustrated towards somebody else because we do not control what anybody else does. It's our choice to decide to like go on and look at something or not. Um, You know, so I think that's a really good point of just sort of like, let's see what is feeling good and not feeling good. And then for a while back, I went through some like really amazing things to do some like healthy money mindset things for myself. I didn't realize that that was sort of something that I was struggling with until I was noticing a few things come up and I'm like, okay, you know, let's dive into this a little bit. Why am I having these feelings and what can I do about it so that I can get myself to a better place that has nothing to do with what anybody else is doing. It was really refreshing to kind of dive into something that I didn't realize was sort of blocking me in different areas and then doing something about it. 
Totally. And I think that the money mindset stuff, I just joined a course that starts today. And I'm really excited just to like dive more deeply into like old patterns that maybe you didn't realize are there. And then you're like, oh, that actually was living in my body, in my brain. And it just becomes this thing that you don't even necessarily recognize. So I think money is one of those uh, topics that many women want to shy away from and not talk about. But I think that when you're when you're finding the joy throughout the course of your life, your personal, your professional, your travel ventures, there has to be some exchange. And I think that changing the mindset around money of like, it's just a medium. It's not necessarily tied to your worth. It's not tied to your success unless you make it that way. Yeah. And we can just course correct some of those I would say more so resilience within ourself of like finding that resilience and figuring out what this means and why I feel this way. So yeah, I love, I love that you shared a little bit more on the money aspect of it today. You know, I want to ask you, cause did you just go to Morocco? I did. Hey, like, I want to hear a little bit more about this. I was watching you on your stories. You had just shared about like the freedom and like traveling please share a little bit about that trip was it just you did not have your family did not have my family so yeah so this trip was a year a year in the making I I mean travel is like my love language I that is where when I think of freedom and I think of like the things that I want to do in my life it's always where am I traveling to next that has just been like a part of it that is where I put a lot of my extra resources goes mm-hmm. to that versus other places. <laughs> I love it. I love um, it. Yeah. So yeah, that's been important. That was something that, I mean, I've traveled from, from when I was really young, I lived in Asia for a year and like, I've just done a lot of traveling, but after Cassidy was diagnosed too, there was even more of a shift a little bit of just like, I want to do the things now because we just never know what life could happen. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so Morocco was like a bit of a, kind of felt a little bit like an eat, pray, love. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. I, so I went with the uh, cystic fibrosis Canada to Morocco. Yes. So they um, organized these international tracks on these adventure trips and anybody can, can go on them. You commit to raising a certain amount of money for cystic fibrosis um, in order to be eligible to go on the trip. And then you pay for your own trip. And so we were actually supposed to go to Jordan is where we were planning on going. So a year ago, I booked this, decided I was going to do it, you know, started getting some of the gear and the things that I needed. Like it was so out of my comfort zone in every way, shape or form. I'm really not much for camping. I like, I love being outside and walking and like hiking and like doing stuff, but 110 kilometers across the desert in five days. Like that was like a lot. I've never signed up for stuff like that. Like going to the bathroom outside, like all the things was just like, not what I would typically choose if I was like, oh, let's plan a vacation. And this is what it's going to entail. So we were supposed to go to Jordan. And then due to the things happening in the neighboring country, two weeks before we left in November, they flipped the whole trip to Morocco. So it was on the other side of Africa, Northern Africa. And yeah, so we went and Morocco has been on my list of places I've wanted to go for a really long time, but it wasn't a place that I necessarily was just going to like up and go by myself. And, you know, so this felt perfect. There was 22 of us from across Canada. Some people came together with other people, but none of us like knew each other before. But all of us, for the most part, had some type of connection to cystic fibrosis in some way, shape or form, whether we were 
um, one person had cystic fibrosis on the trip. A lot of us were parents or like related to somebody or just had some type of connection. And so, yeah, we trekked across the Sahara desert for five days and tented and ate our dinner under the stars and were followed by camels. And it was the most life-changing trip I have ever been on. And yeah, it just, it reminded me how small we are (laughs) Um, being outside where you hear nothing and you just have stars from the ground to the ground um, on either side of you. Like you're just in a snow globe. It almost makes you dizzy. It's just so breathtaking. Yeah, it was, it was a passion trip for sure. And our group raised $130,000 for cystic fibrosis by going on this trek. So it made my heart happy. And I now have friends across Canada that I didn't know before. And yeah, so to me, that was something where it's just go do the things, just Mm -hmm. do the things that you need to do. And I had to, I had to figure out how I was going to pay for this trip. I had to figure out how, you know, like I'm a I'm a one, I'm a one person income family. So, you know, like, you know, just trying to like figure it all out. And what are the kids going to do while I'm gone? Like it it obviously takes like a whole type of thing when you're trying to plan this, but I just, I came back feeling so energized and so invigorated towards my life and my business. And that I think is just constantly what like keeps me, keeps me going. So amazing that you guys raised that much money and that you got to like check off a place on your bucket list of where to go. I, when I was watching you, I was just like, I mean, I, I was on Instagram a little bit more just to like check in on you. Like, a little fan girl. like I was like, okay, where is she now? And pictures with the camels and just like embracing the way of life. And I think that for people listening, like for some of the things that you might not think are possible or doable or achievable, like I think things can happen faster than we can even fathom when we're open to that. And when we have pure intention with what we're doing in our lives. So I'm so happy for you and so happy that you got to like actually experience that. I really wanted to offer, you know, one, maybe one last couple of questions today, Kim, about you know, advice for mom entrepreneurs, you know, what advice or tips could you give us before we end today to other mothers who are either aspiring to start their entrepreneurial journey or are already in the heart of building their businesses while managing family responsibilities? What what crucial lessons have you learned along the way that you'd like to pass on with our audience today? Mm. Yeah, I think just, we talked about this a bit earlier, but just kind of embracing the stage where you are at often when we're seeing like having teenagers versus having newborn babies (laughs) is such a different stage of life that it's hard to, I couldn't have visualized what my business could look like in that stage because it was just so busy and you just never feel like you sort of like are fully having time to yourself. And you think that's just going to last forever. And it's hard when you're in it and it does change. And there are times where I miss those stages sometimes, you know, now as they're like older and doing their own things and have their own lives, but I think just really figuring out what it is that you want your life to look like. And I think if you are with a partner, if you are not with a partner, like whatever the case may be, that all kind of comes into play. Like you really, as a business owner, have to have your family be in alignment with how you see your life looking. Like, what do you want? 
Do you want to be working more? Are you feeling resentful that you're handling all of the stuff at home and maybe not feeling very supported? Or you know what I mean? Like whatever the case may be, just being open and asking for what you need about that. I wish that that is something that somebody had told me way, way, way earlier. I do a lot of therapy to understand that, (laughs) you know, just to like get to that place of, I was like a chronic people pleaser and still have to like consciously make choices every single day to decide if this is something that needs to be done or something that I feel like I should do because I want to like just make somebody else happy. And that's a great thing, but it also turned into a really negative thing for me where I just, I really wasn't taking care of myself. And I think it happens so fast that we sometimes don't see it coming. And so I think if you are having any type of like, like in your gut or wherever, where you're just like feeling like something is feeling off, trying to sort of unpack that and figure out where that's coming from versus, oh, everything in life sucks. Everything's horrible, you know, really just trying to kind of like get into it of like, okay, like, are you just feeling like you're maybe not being taken care of? Are you Mm -hmm. feeling like you had more time to work in your business and you're just feeling like the demands of life are just like causing that to not sort of be able to be possible right now? Like, what is it that you kind of want? And then from there, being able to just figure out and it, it disrupts life sometimes for us to ask for what we need because people are used to us being a certain way with them. Our kids, our partners, our friends, our family, our business clients, like we teach them how to treat us. And so if we've kind of walked through a long season of doing something, it does feel uncomfortable sometimes to finally say, you know what, that's not working for me. And being okay with the aftermath that could potentially come from that, but knowing that you are going to come out of that being more aligned. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think those are really great tips and fresh reminders of speaking and saying your truth and asking for what you need, I think just needs to be more of like how women operate in the world, especially women entrepreneurs. Like it's just part of who we are and what we need to do to achieve our goals, to fulfill our purpose and to walk on a path of alignment. So those are so great. I would like to ask you, this is a personal question, but what is next for Kim? Or what is uh, what is going on in your life for 2024? What are you calling in? What do you feel good to share with us? Yeah, good question. Yeah, life, uh, business and life are kind of pivoting a little bit for me here. After, after sort of making it through the pandemic as an event planner and all the shifts that happened in my business, I feel like I'm finally at a place where I'm like really excited to kind of get back into that event space a little bit again. So I'm working on some some fun event projects that are coming up. The Shine Summit is coming up again for 2024 in April. So um, yeah, so definitely check that out at Shine. I will be there. (laughs) Yay. So yeah, that's really, we're so excited to have it happen for a second year and being able to keep this as an annual event. So I'm really looking forward to that. But yeah, taking on some cool event projects, um, working with a number of clients doing uh, business consulting and time management and kind of just like really honing in and getting them feeling like they're being set up for success. And yeah, hoping to uh, have a few have a few uh, pending trips on the go. So stay tuned for (laughs) 
stay tuned for those. And my girls are just into all the things. My daughter's getting her driver's license in the next bit. And so there's like lots of fun stuff happening with me and my girls too. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm, I just love watching women like do all the things and get themselves where they want to get themselves to. And yes, I will definitely be at the shine summit. Of course, I, it was so valuable the last time and just left me feeling like there was this deep need to connect after the pandemic. And that was sort of the first portal of connection that I had felt in almost three years. So mm. I will be in attendance again. And I'm so excited and so grateful for your presence today on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. If you guys would like to connect with Kim more, I'm going to leave all of her information in the show notes. She also has her podcast called the Joy Curator Podcast. So go get subscribed to that if you want to have more of her in your audio life. Thank you again so much, Kim. And I'm so excited for the future. Thank you. This is such a joy to be here. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening the whole way through on She Empowers the Podcast. Make sure to subscribe anywhere you are listening to podcasts. And if you happen to have iTunes, would you do me a favor and leave a five-star review of the show so more women can learn about what we are doing over here. You can also copy this link and share it on your social media and tag me at sheempowers.co. That is the way we get these beautiful messages out to more and more souls around the world. Thank you so much for being a part of the She Empowers community. Until next time, go lead with love enjoy.